Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. To you at this moment, we're excited to be in your house this morning, excited to be together, excited for the season and the opportunity to share. Lord, we have looked at your word all month, and we continue today in, a, in another familiar passage. And so, Lord, I ask this morning that we would read it like it's the first time we've ever read it. That we would focus, Lord, on what's going on and place ourselves in the story. Remind us what you want us to hear this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So if you're over the age of 13 or 14, I'm going to ask you to go back. For some of us, that's not too far. For some of us, that's a long ways. But as I read this passage, you've, you've heard it before. But I want you to think about Mary's perspective as she goes through this story. Most commentators say that she was most likely 13 to 16 she wouldn't have been very old. That makes this story even more special in my mind uh, and more powerful. Listen as we read Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born, who will be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. May God add his blessing as we continue singing. I pray that our offering would be our heart and soul. We sing those words, I pray they wouldn't only be words on our lips, but rather actions in our life. That we would give our heart, our soul, our lives to you. It goes so countercultural. It goes so against 
our sin natures and desires. And yet, sending your son to live in this world, to go to the cross, having done nothing wrong, is countercultural. And in return, we are called to sacrifice our own lives, to live our lives worthy of that call. As believers in Christ, we've signed up to follow you. May we live out our part of that responsibility. You have promised and continue to live yours out faithfully day in, day out. We thank you for your word, Lord, as we look this morning. I pray that you give us wisdom and understanding. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Powerful song, huh? Pretty powerful if you spend even just a few moments. I mean, we know the song so well, and yet if you think for a moment about all the uh, references to what Jesus would go and do in future days, and thinking about holding this babe child um, who was so helpless and not able uh, to even fend for himself for that moment, and yet would go on to do all those things and be called the great I am. I just, powerful, uh, powerful uh, reminder of that. I find it really interesting that our, that our character today, Mary, is treated much differently depending on your faith tradition or your faith background. Good Catholics tend to place Mary on a pedestal, uh, in some ways placing her near the level of God himself. Us Baptists would be probably on the opposite end of that, would we not? In that we see Mary as a mere servant of God, no different than us. I want to challenge you this morning to think about both ends of that. Because today's scripture tells us that both of those things are true and false. We realize that Mary was a vessel used by God. But she was on a very important mission. Not unlike other women that we see in scripture, Esther and Ruth and Deborah and others in the faith. Each of them were used by God and his divine plan each of them willing to be used by God. Each of them servants, putting God's plan ahead of their own. Like other figures we have recognized uh, in this Christmas season, Mary made herself available for God's work. You may remember, we're going to start at the bottom what were the Magi? What, did they, what gift did the Magi offer? Do you remember? Gold, yes, actually. Gold, frankincense, and murder. What was it? Honor, right? They honored the king. We're going to go kitty corner. I don't know how I got these. I got them like backwards, but that's okay. The shepherds was the next week. And what did they honor? What, did they, what gift did they offer God? Humility, right? Something we can all use a little of. Then we're going to go across the top. What was last week? Joseph. 
Reputation. Thanks, Ken. And now we're down here. So what gift did Mary offer? What, what gift do you think Mary offered? I'm gonna, this is when we, I asked the question. What's that? The Son of God. She did offer that. Exactly. But what did she offer? What, what, did offer, what gift did she offer to God? Servanthood. Okay. What was it? I heard another one. Unselfishness. Okay. Her body to be used. What's that? Oh, Sarah. Sarah cheated. I think Sarah was reading the sermon before. I, I think I saw her sneaking in the sermon. Sarah, you weren't supposed to know that. Exactly. Obedience, right? Obedience. Now you can say, well, I mean, she was pregnant. What was she going to do? Right? She wasn't going to change that. Well, she, she could change that. But she did. She offered herself as an obedient servant of God. And not just for this moment in her life where she was pregnant with Jesus, but think about, and I'm going to ask you to think about her, her whole life that we can see in Scripture. Now, we don't get all of her life, but we get a chunk of her life when it interacts with Jesus. And we're going to look at a few of those today because I, maybe Sarah looked at this. Maybe that's what happened, Sarah. Sarah was always a good student in school, I bet. We're going to look at what she did before, what she did during that time, and what she did after. And that's what I want you to think about today. How was Mary obedient before the time that she was asked to be a servant of oh, excuse me, a servant of God? Verse 28 tells us that she was already highly favored. I don't know what that exactly means, highly favored. That's a nice that's a nice word. It's in this passage twice. The scripture says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now just think about this for a moment. God in his infinite wisdom could see the whole world in front of him. All of these women, all of these people in the whole wide world, and out of that sea of humans, he chose Mary. For this moment in time, he chose Mary. Not for reasons that we know, except that she was highly favored. Loved by God. A teenager, nonetheless. Now, I know what you and I would pick for someone to raise uh, the Son of God, right? It would probably not be a teenager. Right? Because in our minds, even today, we think, well, a teenager's mind is still growing and they're still learning. And how could they have the wisdom? So what we would do is we would build a committee, good church people that we are, right? We'd build a committee to figure out a committee to build a group of people. And we'd probably, at the end of the day, have about 25 people, right, trying to raise the Son of God. And God, in His infinite wisdom, says, hmm, I think I'll find a teenager. <laughs> And I'll give her the responsibility of raising this child. Now, mind you, we focus today on this moment in time where the child is born. 
And this time when she's in, well, at this, at this scripture today is actually before he's born. The reality is, though, she was given the responsibility not to only birth this child, which as I have become a parent of, the longer I've become a parent, I realize that that seems to be the easier part. Not that I had to go through that part. But that seems to be the easier part than the, I have one now 30 years old, that challenge of raising children doesn't end when the baby's born, does it? It merely begins, and the older I've gotten, the more I've realized this. I, when I, you know, ignorance is bliss, but when we got married, I thought, well, once they got to 18, this was simple, right? They turn 18. I, I, we, didn't even, we didn't even know. We didn't even, I think God gives us ignorance for a reason. We didn't even know we didn't know. And so when, I, so when we have kids, we're like, yeah, I told my wife. This is a true story. I told my wife, and she cried. I said, listen, this is how we're going to set the bar for our kids. Now, you don't have to. I'm not recommending you do this. I'm just telling you what I did. Okay. We're going to set. <laughs> we set the bar for our kids this high. Here was the bar. I said, if they can make it to 18 and not be arrested and go to jail, we have been successful parents. <laughs> My wife, on the other hand, didn't. Oh, oh, yeah, I think that was that too. <laughs> but I've learned in parenting that you set the bar really low. <laughs> now you got me because I'm lost. <laughs> oh, the thought, the thought process is though is this. It's not that easy to raise children and just having a child is not raising a child. And so when God in his infinite wisdom found Mary and uh, ask her to raise Jesus. He's not only asking her to have that child, which is the part we're focusing on, but, but to rear that child, to raise that child, to teach that child the alphabet, to feed that child and change that child and potty train that child and raise that child in the faith. And cry behind closed doors when they get old enough to leave home. And to watch them grow up and make adult decisions on their own. God wasn't asking Mary just to have this child, but rather he had placed in her life, in her hands, the earthly life of Jesus. And maybe as Baptists, we need to adjust our understanding of the work and job that Mary did. Because we both know, we all know, that as mothers, we never quit being mothers. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But God saw something in Mary before he even talked to her, before this angel had talked to her. He saw some value. She had already been highly favored. There's hope for those of us who think that we have to do A, B, C, and D, and we have to fill in all this grid to be highly favored by God. She was 13, 14 years old, wet behind the ears, as my grandpa used to say, and highly favored by God. Had nothing to do with her age. 
It had everything to do with her willingness to be used by God. Obedience. You're probably, I'm, I'm reminded of the, the parable of the talents. Do you remember the parable of the talents? Jesus tells, uh, tells this story, this parable, about one person getting one talent, two getting two, and another getting five. And we know the story. The owner, the vineyard owner, leaves and he comes back. And you remember what happens? Number f- The guy with five, you know what happens to his? He doubles it. So he's got ten. Well done, my faithful servant. The, par- the, the guy with two, what happens to his? What's that? He rolls, he doubles four. Good job. How about the guy with one? He buried it. He chose not to use it at all. You know why? He says, I know you're a hard man, he says to the vineyard owner. And Jesus tells this story for one reason, to remind people that, listen, you are given some things. You're giving, given some gifts, and you're to use those. Not to stow them away, not to bury them in the dirt, not to, to just ignore those gifts. We are given gifts. Mary's was obedience. See, a lot of times this is what we do. We play let's make a deal with God, right? I've done it. I'm not, I'm not mocking or making fun of anyone else. I've done it too. God, if you give me this, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll use the gifts I have. It'll be a trade. It'll be like a barter system. We, want, we think we can barter with God, right? But you ever watch me? Let's make a deal. What's behind door number two? Right? Sometimes we get the zonk. God's not looking for a trade-off. He's not looking for what he's going to give us in place of what we give him. That's not his goal. That's not his plan. That's not the way he has it set up. Mary didn't respond by, yeah, I'll do that, but you need to get me a house so I can have a place to raise them, and you need to make sure that I have plenty of food and water, and I need a husband that makes a good living, and I'll need good insurance. Uh, probably going to need a reasonable car and um, a gas card to keep things up. And um, I'm going to have to take him to the doctor to make sure he survives, right, and doesn't have any issues. And Amazing. None of that came out. What does Mary say? She says it in the passage today. It's the last verse. What's that? Exactly. Thanks, Ken. May it be as you say. That's obedience. When God puts something in your lap, in your face, in front of you, he asks you to do something, he puts an opportunity to share God with someone else, our response is to be, may it be as you say. Not, well, I don't have time this week. I'm busy this week. Don't you know it's Christmas week? By the way, it's COVID and I went shopping early. I just want to put that out there. But I'm, no, it's not all done. 
I know I won't finish till Christmas Eve, but I did start a little early because I was a little concerned that COVID would not allow me to get what I wanted. So, <laughs> understand that Mary came from a situation and came from a position that God saw something very, very, very special in her. And it was before he talked to her. Before the angel came to her. Her obedience, she lived her life in obedience. The worst part is the scripture doesn't really give us all those details, right? It'd be really cool if we had like Mary's biography. Hey, look what I found. I found it in my library in the office. We don't have that. We don't understand uh, all the details of what it looks like. And so we have to assume that Mary's life reflected God in a very real way. That she was obedient to God's calling in her life. And then during this moment in her life, during the moment in verse 38, it says... I am the Lord's servant. May it be, uh, may your word be fulfilled in me. And then the angel left her. He said, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. During this moment, she didn't back out or back off. And, and we watched that video uh, countdown last week where her parents were like, Obviously, something bad has happened here, Mary. Um, you missed the boat. Um, you don't have a husband, and yet you're with child. And we thought a little bit about what Joseph ha had to have felt in that moment. But how about Mary? And she said, I, I have done nothing wrong. She continued to be obedient in the face of... In the face of uh, pushback and distractions and struggles. I can't help but think of the song, It's Not an Easy Road. And yet, she walked that road. And we squirm and squawk and holler when things don't go the way we want them to go for even a day or even a moment. And I'm not innocent. I'm just as guilty. I squawk about things I don't like. And I just want you to know that I don't like it, right? Mary took this position and continued to walk the faith. There are other examples in Scripture that remind us of those who continued to walk the faith. Do you remember the story of Daniel? I like that one, my namesake. Maybe I'm his namesake. I don't know how that works. It's in Daniel chapter 6 if you want to read it. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we know the story, right? Daniel was a faithful man. And he was going to be put in a place of position. And others didn't like that. And so they made a plan to kill him. And they told the king, listen, if someone in the next 30 days prays to anyone but you, and we catch them. Let's make a decree. We're going to make a law. And that law will be we feed them to the lions. How about that? That's a great idea. And the king says, sure. I like it. 
And what do they do? They catch Daniel the very next day, right? Praying to God. And when the king finds out that he's been set up, a trap has been set, he set a law and a decree, and he has to stick by his law, and yet his, this man that he knows is a righteous man who's serving God and doing a great job in, um, in the king's kingdom, he's stuck. He's stuck between what he knows he's already committed to and his friend Daniel. And of course, you know, they push. And the king says to, um, king says to pray, to your, pray to your God. And my, my, my hope is that you survive the night. And we know how the story ends, right? In the morning, the king is wound up. He's, he's excited to go and see. And he says he has anguish as he calls out Daniel's name. It says, when, the, when, the, when he came near the den, he called Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? I'm thinking that that didn't happen very often, right? <laughs> unless they were, there was enough lions that unless they were you know, feeding them multiple people a day, I'm thinking not many people got out of the lion's den. Did he rescue you from the lions? And this is how Daniel answers. May the king live forever, he yelled out. My God sent his angels and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I done anything wrong, your majesty. I don't know about you, but that would be a challenging moment in my life if I got placed in a lion's den. And it would be challenging to be obedient. Uh, and but what an exciting moment for Daniel when he was released from that. It says the king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And he was lifted from the den and not a wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. We are called to be obedient during whatever struggle, trial, care, concern, journey in our life. I can't help but go to Philippians. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who's working in you and will act in, in order to fulfill His good purpose. Be obedient in the difficult times. It's easy to be obedient in the easy times. Be obedient in the difficult times. That's what we're called to. We're called to continue to work out our salvation. Not that it's salvation is, is by works any way, shape, or form, but it says to continue to work out that salvation, to work it out in our lives, to live our life like the salvation makes a difference. It's not a get-out-of-hell-free card. It's not a once-and-done. I did it when I was six, and I'm okay, and I don't need to be involved in God's work after this. That's not how it works. It's continuing to be obedient when we're young, when we're middle-aged, when we're old, wherever, when we pass. We're, we're called to continue to work out that faith. And finally, Mary's obedience lasted long after this moment in her life. 
right? Long after this moment, she could have just birthed this child and been, okay, I did my part, God. I'm good for the rest of my life. I got sainthood, right? People be making statues. I'm good. That's not what Mary did. We see her show up. And I got a couple examples where she shows up, and you'll remember them. Do you remember when Jesus was a a young teenager, maybe 12, 13 years old? And in Luke, they went to the temple. Do you remember that? They went to the temple, and we, we always poke fun at the parents, right? We're like, how could you lose your kid for three days? How could you go home and leave the temple and your kid still be there? (laughs) very true Ken very true (laughs) and his guys were little we took them to the zoo and I was like they're a little they're little guys and they're like zoo (laughs) understood now we understand why kids are on a leash sometimes (laughs) (laughs) this story is 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 very interesting he he probably was 11 12 years old I want you to think just for a moment before we poke too much fun at Mary and Joseph that at 11 or 12, he could have very easily had his uh, bar mitzvah and been treated as a man. Um, he wouldn't have been, it's not like we, we don't helicopter kids back then like we do now, right? It's a different world. And, and so he would have been in this group, but he would have had a responsibility to be in the pile in the group as they were going home. And so his parents, they weren't the worst parents ever. Uh, but when mom gets there, when his mom gets there and finds him, Remember what she says? Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. We're worried to death. Where have you been? What are you doing? It speaks to her love of her child. It speaks to that understanding that we never stop loving our kids no matter what they do, even when they stay in the temple for two days after we leave. And then we find her another spot. Um, maybe, to me, way more, way more difficult spot in life. John chapter 19. It says, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and a disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, his disciple, this disciple, which was John, it doesn't say it in that passage, but this disciple took her into his home. I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I could show up for my child's crucifixion. And yet, Mary was there. Yeah, it's quiet because that's heavy. It's heavy. We read it and we just kind of blow by it. And yet, we were reminded what she said at the beginning. May it be as you have said. May it be as you have said. Remember what I said at the beginning? Ignorance is bliss. And probably for Mary in this moment, (laughs) she had no idea 
the weight that she would carry when Jesus went to the cross. It wasn't just Jesus, it was her son, Jesus. And I haven't met a mom that just quit loving their kids. Some do it better than others. Neither here nor there. But we don't quit loving our kids. There's only one other spot in Scripture that talks about being highly favored. One other passage that shares that. And it's in Ephesians 4, 1-6. through 6. It says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and His will to the praise of His glorious grace which He has freely given us in the one He loves. You see that which is freely given in us in the one He loves? That's highly favored. Church, we as believers in Christ are highly favored. We have the same opportunity as Mary to live out our faith in obedience. We have been given a gift. It's an awesome gift of Jesus. He came... He lived, he died for us. That's powerful. I'll ask you one more question. What gift do you think we'll talk about on Christmas Eve? Stay tuned. In the next episode... I want you to think about that when you go home. What character this Christmas has a gift to offer? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for that gift that you have given us. We thank you for Mary's obedience to follow hard after you. And Lord, that before... She was uh, a servant that you saw her, something special in her. And during, Lord, she responded in obedience. And afterwards, she continued to be obedient to you. May we live our lives that way. Obedient. Reminded that Jesus lived obedient to the point of death. May we live our lives, Lord, obedient to, to you to the point of death. In your name we pray.